And so, uh, anyways, my brother-in-law is getting baptized today. That's super exciting. He's getting baptized over at Crossroads Community Church at 11. I'm probably not going to be there at 11. But my goal will be to get us out of here on somewhat kind of time, and then I can zip over there and not break any traffic laws on my way. Plenty of time. And I also wanted to do something different today. Like I said, I, I've been kind of visioning a calmer, quieter atmosphere for worship. Did everybody notice that the blinds weren't open? You didn't see people walking by and shadows going on, and you weren't looking around what everybody else was doing because it was a little more calm and quiet and darker in here? Everybody notice that? What do you guys think? Good. I got one response. Thank you, Angel. I liked it. I liked it. It was a little more intimate. I want to try to make worship music more intimate. Because I think that sometimes when we're new or not, anybody here go dance in front of anybody? Okay, everybody that doesn't raise your hand because you don't go out dancing tells me that you don't like people watching you dance. So I'm sure you don't like somebody sitting next to you in church watching you wave your hands in there. Freaks you out. You get nervous. You don't like anybody looking at you, right? I see some nodding heads. No, don't care. Ooh, I love it. Okay, the lights are on then. Next week, it's over. You guys, that's it. Back to the old way. So I told myself today too, I said, I'm going to read God's word first. And then get into all of my jibber-jabbish. No, Mike, it's not. Thank you, my friend. Genesis 33, it's in your, it's in your handouts. I figured we'd read this, get, build some context first. And then I'll share with you guys some things. Genesis 33, 1 through 20. Now, Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there, oh, I'm going to do it. So, remember, let's just back up here. Let's back up here. We've been looking at the life of Abraham, and then we watched the, son of, the, the life of his son Isaac. Now we're in the life of Jacob. We know that Jacob has stole his brother's blessing, He's, and, he, and he got his brother to sell him his birthright. And then he went, and then, and then when he was blessed by his father, and he was blessed by God, he went out onto his own, and on his way to his mother's homeland, whose mom sent him. He's never going to see her again. Remember this. He goes. He has that vision at Bethel. And God tells him, basically, I'm going to do all this through you. You're my guy. Your grandfather was my guy. Your dad's my guy. Now you're my guy. Right? And what does he do? He goes. He's like, I've got the blessing. I've been blessed by my father, and now I've been blessed by God. I'm good to go. Right? And he gets there, and he ends up marrying the woman he doesn't love. And his uncle ends up deceiving him. And he's there 20 years, and his wages has changed over 10 times. We all know the story. I'm bringing you up to context. Now he's left. God has finally told him after 20 years, it's time for you to go. Time for you to leave this land and go back to the land of promise. He's on this journey. He's been blessed by his father. He's had this encounter with God in Bethel. He's had God return to him and tell him it's time to go to the land where he's supposed to be. He's on his way. 
And on his way, he decides he's, he's going to go to see his brother Esau. And when he gets there, what happened? What did we talk about last week? Fear. He was afraid. Because all those signs that God told him, those, those went back here real quick. And put those thoughts and promises back here. And now he was concerned with what his eyes were showing him. Right? We read he was greatly distressed and afraid. Right? So now we're catching up. And he sent the messengers ahead. 550 animals of livestock. Let me give my blessing to my brother. Fear? Yes. Motivated by fear. So now we're going to catch up here. So in the next chapter, now here's where we're at. So I brought you up to speed. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children to the front. Leah and her children behind them. Remember, Leah's the woman he didn't desire. So the maidservants are up in the front. Leah and her kids are behind them. And Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them. Thank goodness he wasn't a complete coward. He crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times. Until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Was that the expectation he had? No. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Notice he called him brother. But that's not the way Jacob was referring to Esau. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, Then receive my present from my hand. And as much as I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, let us take a journey. Let us go, and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak. And the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard, one day all the flock will die. All of a sudden. Come on this long journey and all of a sudden they go one more day they're going to die. That's what he's telling his brother. 
My Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard for one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. And I will lead on slowly at a pace with the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and sire, Seir. And Esau said, now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth, built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of this place is called Succoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, where he came from Paddan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought the parcel of land where he pitched his tent from the children of Hammer, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money, then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohoi Israel. Did you see that there was a sense of distrust to follow Esau on the journey to Edom? Sire. Yes. You don't really pick that up in the story, but there's still not quite comfortable with that. He still had fear. Why didn't he travel with his brother to his land? I don't know. I can't read, but I can read between the lines here, but the story's not going to tell us much more than what we have. But the reality is he didn't go with his brother when his brother offered him to go that way. His brother knew the land, probably where the rivers, the food, where to feed the livestock, Right? You would imagine it's his area. But he didn't go with him. He's like, oh, if we go one more day, the flock will die. The children are tired. We can't do it, man. Let me catch up to you later. Well, I'll leave some people with you. No, no, it's all good. It's good. We'll catch up later. He didn't go with him. Strange. Last week, we discussed unhealthy and healthy fears, yes? Unhealthy fear, future tripping, right? I call it future tripping. Sure, we all do, right? Future tripping. You're future tripping. Future tripping can cause unwanted anxiety and is not good for your physical or spiritual health, amen? Or your mental health. When I stopped drinking, I knew I was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually ill. I didn't have a drinking problem. I had an emotional, mental, and spiritual health problem. And drinking was my answer to not having to deal with it. Interesting. Anxiety from unhealthy fear can cause health problems. Remember when Jesus bled in the garden? It says he was sweating blood from anxiousness. Difference was he knew what was coming. Chris, I prayed for God to heal this person and they didn't get healed. Well, Jesus asked for the cup to pass and he didn't get it to pass either. Remember, I always share that when people ask me why God didn't do something that they wanted. You know, um, so we talked about Jacob's actions last week. Full of fear. Full of fear. 
Remember he sends the messengers ahead. Hey, you guys go on ahead and meet with my brother. Take all these gifts. Take all this. Take all this. Take all this. And then they come back. They're like, yeah, your brother's coming to meet you. And he's got 400 dudes with him. And he freaked. Those promises that God gave him, they just went back here. Right? How often do I do that? How often do you do that? I mean, and it's, it's instant. Right? It's instant. One minute you're like on cloud 10 with God. You're like, dude, God has just shown up. I knew this promise. I ended up at this church. Things have been awesome. The other day, God showed me this perfect sign. It was like I was like right where I needed to be, and I ended up sharing Jesus with this guy, and bam, some life circumstance shows up, and that's like gone. That promise that all that, all that, all that you saw God was doing and all that you believed God was going to do, it just went, right? That's what he did. He was greatly afraid and distressed. Do you understand what greatly afraid and distressed means? How many here have gone to the hospital because you thought you were going to die? Greatly afraid and distressed. That and then some. That's what he was feeling. What did he do though? Remember I told you that his action was right on line. He prayed to be delivered. He prayed with great suffering and passion. Suffering and passion mean the same thing. Little word scrabble there. He prayed with suffering and passion. And he had to remind God of everything. Do you do that? God, you said... Yeah. Like he forgot. Like I forgot meeting you on the road to Bethel and coming to your dream. Like I forgot telling you before you just left that I was sending you back. Like I forgot, right? He reminded God of everything he'd promised as if God had forgotten. His fear paralyzed him. Have you ever been paralyzed emotionally? Spiritually, mentally, physically? What happened next in his story when he built up all this anxiety, all this fear, when he forgot the promise of God, when he had to remind God of the promise he made? He was then crippled by God in the hip. He was then blessed, and then he was then renamed. Do you remember? That's what took place last week. I remember last week telling you guys about my decision to change jobs in my industry. Third time. A without fear move, I'm going to do it. Uncertainty always takes place in decisions we make. But that doesn't mean that we have to do it with fear. How many times, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? What's your favorite saying in the Bible? I'll tell you what one of mine is. Do not be afraid. How many times have you been instructed in God's word to not be afraid? Why is it something that is told so many times? 
because you live full of fear. We are full of fear. Fear is crippling. I don't like to live my life that way. I told you guys, I tell us all the time. I sweat the small stuff. I don't sweat the big stuff. It's good. So we were on vacation. The offer came to go change my jobs. I was super excited. I said, yes. Well, my wife and I made the decision together, but it was a yes. Right? Uncertainty was there, but fear was not. But I told you what I was afraid of last week. I was terrified of that big 500. 500, man, scared me. I knew I was going to go to that competition yesterday, which I did. And my thoughts, these are the thoughts I had. I didn't think, oh, making this decision to change my job, I, you know, I hope I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I, I, yeah, I trusted all those things to be taken care of. I said, God, you led me down this road. I know that you're opening this door. I'm walking through it, and I'm going to trust that everything's going to be okay. I don't need to worry about that. But I worried about this competition. Sweat the small stuff. Like, who cares? It doesn't even matter. It's bragging rights. It's all it is. I'm never going to go to national world level competition. I don't know. I don't know. It's bragging rights. But I stress on it. And I let fear get in my head. You were thinking about how you were going to pay your Verizon bill, and I was thinking about what that was going to feel like on my back and if I was going to hurt myself. Just the stupid stuff that I was stressed about. I wrote my list here. I wrote, uh, these are the things that were going through my head. I might get hurt. I could definitely get hurt. Moving around with that kind of weight on your back is no joke. On your back, you got to move around with it. I have a sequestered disc in my back. As I've told a lot of you. Got a disc out, L3, L4. It's out. It's separated. It leans on the nerve. I'm in pain every single day. It's like level two, three all day. I even forget about it. And then when I lift, it goes to like six, eight, nine, not ten. Ten would be, I'm going to stop. Then I thought, well, here's another thing. I thought, I impinged my hip about three months ago. I, did a he- I took a heavy squat in the garage, and I stood up with it, and my, my hip, I kind of impinged on a tendon. So it was bruised and hurting for like four or five weeks. The pain wouldn't go away. I thought, what if I bother that? What if I aggravate that in my, in my opening attempts and then I can't do 500? I just built up this nonsense. Well, I might pass out under the load. We saw somebody almost pass out yesterday in the deadlifts. Lady picked it up, man, held her breath so long, put that weight down and started to nod out. I take a big breath. Then I put that weight on my back and I step back with it and I don't let that air out until the lift is over. I might pass out. I've seen stars. I might pass out just from straining. That's just, this is all I did. I haunted myself. I'm at work thinking about work and I'm not thinking about work. I'm thinking about this stuff. Stupid. 
Anxiety. I was building anxiety over and over and over. Well, I might miss the weight. What if I just go out there and look like an idiot? That was my next thought. Yeah, so. I said that too. I may not hit depth. What if it's short? What if I stand up with it and they get three red lights and they're like, yeah, that wasn't deep enough. Then I'm going to feel stupid. I might pee or poo myself. A lot of strain on your bladder holding that kind of weight. It's true. I see people do that too. The list was a whole bunch of qualifying unhealthy fears. That's what I've given you. I've given you a list of, I wrote here a long qualified list of unhealthy fear that paralyzes, cripples, and immobilizes the individual emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Yesterday I squatted 501 pounds. Done. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, 501 and a half. Nailed it. To depth, stood up with it, didn't die, didn't pee, didn't poo, didn't pass out. Walked it back in, turned around, and saw two white lights on that screen. And I said, two out of three judges said, that's a good lift. I'm good. All right. The intensity, tenacity, and mindset that you have to put into fighting fear should be intense. Do you want to fight fear? Do you know what it means to fight? It means to fight. Do you fight your fears? Or do you just face them? Or do you cower to them? What did Jacob do? Man. I told myself these things yesterday. If I go down with it, I'm coming up with it. I don't care. I'm doing it. I had a plan, and I said I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to execute this plan to the best of my ability, no matter what happens. And I'm going to do it. And I did it. Mike was there. He's my witness. Tommy was too. And Elena, but she's in the other room. Do you realize if Jacob might not have built up all this anxiety and fear and anticipated all this, he might not have ended up wrestling God and ended up injured? You ever thought about that? I put some thought into that. What if he just had these thoughts of, what if the day that he knew he was going to go and his brother was coming with 400 men, he had done this? Instead of being greatly afraid and distressed and forgetting all the promises of God, what if he had said, Lord, I'm meeting up tomorrow with my brother, and I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and I trust you? What if he had said that? What if he had said, God, I'm excited to see my brother tomorrow, a little bit of fear, but I trust all's going to go well? Do you think God would have ended up showing up in the night and wrestling him? And then having to finally injure him because he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop being afraid. Do you see my point here? So let's fill in those bullet points. Jacob's long expected meeting with Esau was a marvelous event. Why, Chris? Well, we'll get into that. 
But this was a marvelous event. This was a man who was going to see somebody that he has not seen in 20 years, and the last time he saw him, he did him dirty. Sounds like he owes him some amends. Sounds like he owes him so much amends, he was afraid for his life. Yes? Yes. But what did we see in the story? Jacob still showed weakness and fear when he met Esau. He still showed weakness and fear. He lined up his wives and children in order of importance to him. Rachel and Joseph in the rear, the safest place. Did he not? That's why I read that part real slow. He put the maid servants and their children up front. Then that first wife, his uncle, gave him and her kids. She had six. And then Rachel and Joseph in the back, in the safest place. He lined up his priority list right there. This is what's important to me. How do you think you felt if you were the maidservants? Well, how about Leah? Favoritism. Remember all my favoritism topics? Some favoritism going on there. And he put the maidservants and their children in the front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And he crossed over before them, good man, and bowed himself to the ground seven times. Well, what, did we, what else did I learn out of this story? Well, we all know this. The biggest thing that I saw, God turned Esau's heart, did he not? God turned Esau's heart. You remember he had his birthright sold, blessing stolen, vowed he was going to kill that man. He vowed he was going to kill that man. But he didn't. He was eager to be reconciled to his brother. Let bygones be bygones. Did you know that it's okay to forgive and forget? Very hard. It's very hard to forgive and forget, and then you have to tell yourself, you know, Esau's birthright and his blessing was stolen, and he forgave Jacob. He was going to receive the blessing of a profane person. Do you remember that? Remember me telling you that? He was going to receive the blessing of a profane person. He forgave his brother. He wanted to be reconciled to his brother. Esau ran to meet and embrace his brother. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He ran to the son. Esau ran, embraced him. They both wept. They both wept. Man. You ever had that kind of reconciliation? Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Two grown men weeping. I love it. Jacob referred to himself in this story as Esau's servant, not his brother. Called Esau his lord, you remember? Your servant, your servant, my lord. May I find favor in the sight of my lord? Why? Fear still there. Didn't feel equal to his brother. He was now the greater of the two, but called his brother, called himself his servant. Do you know somebody greater than you who... Calls himself your servant? 
He'd be willing to wash your feet. Wash away all your sin. Yeah? You know who I'm talking about now? Esau referred to Jacob as what? Brother. Jacob pressed Esau to receive a gift. The Hebrew word barak in scripture meant blessing. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. How about this part of the story? He explained and referred to seeing Esau as seeing God face to face, which he had already done the night before. Yes? You realize that? Did you pick that out of the story there? He just encountered a face-to-face with God all night and wrestled him and wouldn't let him go for the blessing and then got touched at the hip and was injured. And now he comes face-to-face with his brother and said and described it, seeing him was like seeing the face of God. This comment may have shown that he understood his deliverance from harm by Esau was from God's divine protection. He survived both God and Esau face to face while full of fear. Yes? Takes a twist here. He still didn't trust Esau and traveled a different route. He still didn't quite trust him. He's like, ah, I know you've forgiven me and I see you're happy to see me and you just kissed my neck and we wept and this is my family, but I don't trust you 100% that you might not bring harm to my family or myself. Come with us. No, no, go ahead. You're good. I'll, I'll catch up with you. We've been traveling four or 500 miles, but if we go one more day, they're going to die. You go. It was right there in the text. You go. No, we can't go any further. Miracles were worked in the lives of these brothers. Does anybody here need reconciliation with somebody super close to you? Somebody that's done you wrong? Did they steal your birthright? Did they take your blessing? Did you tell somebody you were going to kill them? Oh, you didn't go that far? Are you willing to be reconciled to that person then? You don't have to answer that. In Jacob, God brought a spirit of humility and generosity. Did he not? He brought a spirit of humility and generosity. He went across the river first. He bowed seven times, and his brother ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him, and they both wept. And then he was willing to still give all that stuff to his brother and bless him. And his brother said he didn't need it, and he said, no, please. If I have found favor in the sight of my Lord calling himself the servant, you take this gift. Please let me bless you. I stole your blessing, but we don't need to talk about that. In Esau, God changed his heart of revenge to a heart of reconciliation. Anybody here need to reconcile? Second time. Second request. Reconciliation? Anybody? I send emails sometimes. I try not to be sarcastic, but so I'll just write my email and write second request. 
before I poke them with a sharp stick. Second request. Reply to all in a long chain. Third request. Third request doesn't even have anything that goes with it. It just says third request. Chris Jackson. These changes were proof that God had delivered Jacob in his answer in answer to his prayer. Yes? God, you promised. You told me you were going to bless me. You told me you were going to you were going to you were going to fill the world with all my 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 generations after me. You promised. Please don't let harm come to me by way of my brother Esau. Well, God didn't forget and he sure did answer his prayer. Fear? Fear? Reconciliation? Time? Time? I heard a pastor say once, I can forgive any person I need, I just don't have to trust them again. I can forgive that person, but just because I forgive you doesn't mean I have to trust you ever again. But I'm going to forgive you so I can sleep tonight. Anybody need that kind of reconciliation? It's time. Don't let it fester any longer. Anxiety, panic, distress, renting space in your head. Who are you not forgiving? Esau was willing to forgive and forget. Are you? Don't answer that question. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the men and women and stories and lives that you've put in your word for us. I thank you that you give us an image of who you are as our God, who we are as people, who we are as servants to each other, who we are as friends to each other, who we are as family to each other. This church is a family, Lord. I thank you for this family. I thank you that we're here. I thank you that you have our hearts, that you have our minds, that you are pressing us in the same direction. You're molding us, shaping us, directing us, loving us, forgiving us, trusting us. You are our answer to fear because you have told us time and time and time and time again, don't be afraid. If we have you, we don't need to be afraid. If I have you, I can trust that I can fall right here and I'm going to be with you. Build that trust in us. Make it deeper. Make it stronger. We ask that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We ask for you, Lord, to come in and give us strength and to remove fear. 
We ask you to fill us with your spirit, Lord, and cast out fear, Lord. We ask you to fill us with a heart of reconciliation and cast out revenge. We ask you to fill us with a, with a heart of humility and generosity, Lord. Let us bless each other, Lord. Let us bless this church, Lord. Let us bless our community. Let us bless our family. Let us bless our loved ones. Let us be generous to all these, Lord, just as you have been to us. You forgive us time and time and time and time again, Lord, when we do all the things that Jacob did to Esau, Lord, but even worse, we do it worse. And you forgive us, Lord, and you love us, Lord, and you run to us, and you embrace us, and you kiss us, and we weep. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray over everybody here, Lord. I pray that they all have an amazing week, Lord. Let's come back with some praise reports, Lord. Let's come back with some, wow, I, 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 you know, you, you, I heard something on Sunday and then this happened. I love that stuff, Lord. I know you love that stuff and we need to hear it. So, Lord, I thank you in advance. Do those things for us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I got to go.